Welcome to the Experience Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor Justina Brownlee. It's our prayer that this message is not only an encouragement, but a blessing to your life. We're in our series called Too Good to Not Believe. What an amazing series it's been. But before we jump into it, I do want to look on the other side of that screen and welcome everyone joining us online today. Those joining us at one of our jail campuses or our prison campuses or at Belize Central Prison, we love you. Come on, church. Welcome our family. We're so glad that you're with us. We believe in you. Well, I, I want to tell you a little bit. I, I debated actually until the moment I stepped on the stage because I think the atmosphere had to be right to share uh, where this message is coming from. But about two or three weeks ago, I, I had this dream. And I don't dream very often, but I knew it was a spiritual dream. And I had this dream. And the reason I think I want to share where the message comes out of is because I think it could maybe spark or impart something to some of you because I think God will speak to you through dreams. I think he'll speak to you through his word. I think there's more God wants to say to us sometimes than maybe what we're picking up on. And so I, I had this dream a couple weeks ago. And in my dream, I was having a vision. Okay, so are you tracking with me? So dream means I'm sleeping, having this, this dream, but a vision is something you have when, when you're awake. God gives you an impression or a picture. And so in my dream, I'm having this vision, and in the vision, in the dream, the, there's this dark circle like a lens, and it's just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and, and as I'm, I could feel the anticipation, I was so anticipating going, I'm about to see something. God's about to show me something. I can't wait to see what he's going to show me in this moment. And, and the lens is getting larger and larger and larger until all I can see is this bright white light. There were no features or details, but I just knew in the dream of the vision that it was an outline of an angel. And I wake up and I think, okay, what in the world do I do with that? Like, that's not a lot of information. That's not a lot of detail. And as I prayed about it and I processed it and I went to one of my spiritual mentors and helped me kind of interpret what could God have been saying through that dream? Because I knew it was a spiritual dream. I knew it was God saying something. And you know, in scripture, every time you see an angel, it's bringing a divine, he's, they are bringing a divine message. So in that, I just knew God's got a divine message for you. God wants to tell you something and it, it's from him. And so I knew that. And then, so I started to pray about that and I kept saying, okay, Lord, you know, show me what it is. I want to hear what's the, what do you want to show us? I knew it wasn't just for me. I think it was for us. I think it was for my family. I think it was for our city. And so I was just asking the Lord. And so then I just realized after a couple of weeks, you know, when you're just in your normal routine, sometimes it's hard to hear from the Lord. So I'd be sitting there ready to hear from the Lord. And then the, you know, the dog would pee on the carpet or, or somebody would yell, they can't find socks. That's how it goes. Right. And so I'm like, I'm never going to hear from the Lord like this. So I went to Kyle and I said to him, Hey, I really feel like I need to just like go away for a few days. I want to hear from the Lord. And so girls, I've, I've got this, you know, guys plug your ears. This is a secret. But if you go to your husband and you say, I think that we should go away and fast and not be intimate for three days. He's going to look at you and go, I'll keep the kids. You go. You go. That's how you get your vacation by yourself. So, so no, I did. I said, I think I need to go away, and I think I, I just want to fast and pray and see what the Lord's saying. And so 
last week I went away for three days and just locked myself away and spent time in the Word, spent time listening to the Lord. And that is the filter that I want you to know that I feel like this message comes from. And so I bring it with all reverence to just asking the Lord, hey, share what you shared with me in this moment today. What is it you want to say to us? And I really felt coming out of that time with the Lord and Pastor Kyle and I, obviously he was already feeling this and God just confirmed it in my time away. And we've been talking a lot about this. We feel like we're going as a church in a special season that God wants to do some miracles in our midst, not just for the sake of miracles. I think there's a demonstration of God's power he wants to show us. I think there's a lot of us that are in some impossible situations. We feel stuck. We feel like we've been here way too long. We feel like we're not getting the answers we need. We feel like there's some things going on. And if only God could move, that is the only answer. God is the only answer. God, we need that miracle. We need you to move. And we feel like, honestly, we're going into a special season of that where, where all you could explain it is where heaven just, God, for whatever reason, God decides I'm gonna let heaven invade earth at this moment. I'm gonna let there be a little overlap so you can get a little taste of what's coming in the future for you. And I think that we're in that season. Now with that said, I wanna say this, cause here's the title of the message that God gave me for today, and it's this. But be careful what you settle for. Be careful what you settle for as we go into this season that God's gonna take us into. Let me explain it with a passage, Matthew chapter eight, verses five through nine, I wanna share this passage with you. It says this, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. Other versions use the word son. We don't know, was it a servant, was it a son? Either way, it was somebody very close to this Roman officer. And he says, he's paralyzed, he's in bed, he's in terrible pain. And Jesus says this to him, I will come and heal him. Look at your neighbor and say, be careful what you settle for. But the officer said, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know this because I am under authority of my superior officers and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. Be careful what you settle for. In this moment, he has this moment with Jesus and, and then the story goes on. It says Jesus marveled at his faith. He had the faith to believe for that miracle. And then we get to verse 13, Matthew chapter eight, verse 13. It says this, then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you have believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. It's an amazing, beautiful story. Here we are, there's this Roman officer and for he must have been seeing Jesus do miracles. Otherwise, why would he have known who he needed to get to when he had this impossible situation that he needed a miracle for? He knows who he's gotta go find and he knows who he needs to go talk to. And this Roman officer says, I just gotta get to Jesus. And he makes it to Jesus and he says, Jesus, my son, my servant, he's laying in bed and he's sick and I need this miracle. And Jesus says to him, I will come home with you and I'll heal him. And, and he had the thing with this Roman officer. He had the faith to believe for the healing, for Jesus to do the miracle. He just didn't have the sensitivity to recognize that Jesus was offering him something much above that miracle. 
You see, Jesus wasn't just offering him his power in that moment. Jesus wanted to offer him his presence. Let me say it to us, church. Be careful what you settle for. In fact, what we learned from this story is the first lesson. I've only got two today, and here's the first one. Don't settle for a miracle when God will give you a personal visit. So here he is. I need this miracle, God. I've got this thing, and I need you. And Jesus marveled at his faith because he had the faith to believe for it. But then Jesus says, I'll do you one better. I'll come home with you. How often do we come in this place? Maybe it's just me. And I come in this place and I have a need. God, I need you to move. I need you to do this miracle. I need you to intervene in this problem. I need you to fix this relationship. My marriage is a mess. God, my finances, I need you to touch them. God, this person needs healed in their body. And we ask him, and we should, because let me tell you, I just told you after that three days of fasting, God's going to do it. We're going to watch God do some demonstration of his power that we've never seen before. But be careful what we settle for. Because in that moment, he's not only offering us that he wants to do it here. He's going, I want to come home with you. I want you to have my presence, not just my power. Now, when you have his presence, you automatically get his power. But did you know, like from this story, you could have his power and not get his presence. And I am just not willing to settle for that. And in this moment, we learned that from him. And I want you to see the difference. There's a big difference. We should ask God for the miracle. But in the midst of that, we need to be asking for his presence. We've got to have the sensitivity to recognize that God doesn't want to just be with you in here. He wants to be with you in your home. He wants his presence in your marriage. He wants his presence at your workplace. He wants his presence in your parenting. He wants his presence at your school. He wants his presence to go with you and to go with me. Let me show you the difference of when you also have his presence. Because look what happens in Matthew chapter 8. Now remember, we just ended with the story of the Roman official, but now the very next verse, Matthew sees fit to tell us another story very similar. It's Matthew chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. It says this, when Jesus arrived at Peter's house, this time Peter took him home with him. Pause. I just, I know we're speculating, but what would have happened if Jesus would have went, if the Roman official would have said, yes, come home. Come to my house. Come meet my family. Come meet my community. Come let your presence be there. Well, let me show you what happens because here's Peter and he says, come to my house, Jesus. And when Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. Now, some of you, that's a blessing. Some of you are like, darn it. <laughs> okay. Let's be honest, but you need to repent right now. <laughs> then she got up and she prepared a meal for him. So he got the miracle. Oh, he did the miracle. But guess what? Now they're having a meal. Now they're sitting across the table from Jesus. Now Jesus is teaching them. Now Jesus is letting them ask every question, every doubt, every fear they may have been dealing with. Now he's telling them about why some things had happened in their past that they didn't understand and his presence is there and he's answering all of those things for them. Maybe he's telling them about what's coming prophetically in the future and he's giving them a little instruction and a little direction of what to do when these things start to come their way. And he's having this meal with them and then it says this, it doesn't stop there. 
That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out the evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick in the area. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah who said he took our sicknesses and he removed our diseases. You see, because Peter invited the presence of Jesus into his home, not only did his miracle come for his mother-in-law, now he's enjoying the presence. Guess what? And his neighbor Ted comes over and gets healed. And his neighbor over here, Joe, comes over and Joe gets healed. And then the guy from down the street comes over and gets healed. And then the guy that lives on the outskirts of town that nobody wants anything to do with goes, Man, I heard the presence of Jesus is at this home. I think I'm going to go over there because of what his presence is doing there. I just want you to know, church, he wants to go home with you. He wants to give you his presence. He wants to give me his presence. So we got to be careful what we settle for. We got to be careful what we settle for. In fact, let me just tell you how grieving it is to God when we resist his presence. Sometimes we don't even know we're doing it. Can we just say that? Sometimes I don't even realize I just resisted your presence. No, Jesus, you don't have to come to my house. I'm not worthy. It's not all cleaned up yet. I got some issues. And I kind of don't want you to see them. Jesus, you know, I, I've done too much. I've gone too far. It's been too long. You don't have to come over. You don't have, And we make it sound spiritual. <laughs> and Jesus is going, what? How you think it's going to get cleaned up unless my presence comes? Unless I come, it's going to stay just like that. Unless you invite my presence, it's going to be just like it is. And sometimes we resist him and we don't even know we're doing it. And I want you to see how it grieves him. Luke chapter 19, verses 41 through 44. It says this, when the city came into view, this is Jerusalem. It's talking about Jerusalem. And then it's talking about Jesus. When Jerusalem came into view, Jesus wept over it. What a sad picture. And he says this, if you'd only recognize this day and everything that was good for you, but now it's too late and in the days ahead, your enemies are going to bring up their heavy artillery and surround you, pressing you from every side. They're gonna smash you and your babies on the pavement. Not one stone will be left intact. All this, don't miss it, listen. All this because you didn't recognize and welcome God's personal visit. I'm just challenging us and stirring us today. Let's be careful what we settle for because a special season is coming. But we're not gonna settle for the miracle when God is offering us a personal visit. We're gonna be desperate for his presence. We're gonna realize, Jesus, you don't just wanna meet me here in these walls, though we want him to. You wanna meet me in my home. You wanna meet me in my relationships. You wanna meet me at my workplace. You wanna meet me at my school. God, we're desperate for your presence in this place. And so how do we get it? How do we do it? What does it look like? Well, there's just two words. It's this, write this down. It's not in your notes. We gotta make room. We gotta make room. In fact, let me show it to you in scripture. One of my favorite passages in the Old Testament, it comes from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 7 through 17. And this is the story of the Shunammite woman. Now I want you to see what happens. It says this, one day Elisha passed through Shunam. Now Elisha, I want you to know what Elisha represented. Elisha represented God's presence. You see, Elisha was a prophet and in the Old Testament, prophets represented the presence of God, the direction of God, the word of God. And so that's what that represents here. And it says, one day Elisha passed through Shunem and a leading lady of the town talked him into stopping for a meal. 
And then it became his custom. Whenever he passed through, he stopped by for a meal. Tell your neighbor again, be careful what you settle for. You see, here's this Shunammite woman. She goes, man, this is good. I like these visits. I like these little snacks. I like that God's presence, you know, everywhere. I like that I did my devotions and God's presence was so clear to me. And then I wait four more weeks and, and then I have another snack. And then maybe in two more weeks, I do it again. And I, I've had these little visits from God, but I'm not settling there, she says. I need more presence in this home. I need more than just sharing a meal every once in a while with God. I need more than just a Sunday at church every maybe twice a month. Yeah. No, be careful what you settle for. And so what does she do? Well, she says this, I'm certain, said the woman to her husband, that this man who stops by with us all the time, he's a holy man of God. This is the presence of God stopping by. So why don't we do this? Why don't we make room? Why don't we add on a small room upstairs and furnish it with a bed and a desk and a chair and a lamp so that when he comes, he will stay longer. So that when he comes, he's going to stay the night. So that when he comes, I'm going to make it so comfortable for him that he doesn't want to leave. I'm going to make a room for him. I'm going to have this special spot. I'm going to set up a bed and a chair. He can study here. He can, like, God's presence can just fall here. He can do whatever he wants to do because I've made a room for him. And she makes this room, and then look what happens. It's so good. And so it happened. The next time Elisha came by, he went to his room, and he laid down for a nap. Imagine it. She's like, yes, God's staying. He's staying. His presence is staying. And then it goes on. It says, then Elisha says this to his servant Gehazi. Tell that Shunammite woman that I want to see her. And he called, and she came to him. Through Gehazi, Elisha said, you've gone far beyond the call of duty in taking care of us. What can we do for you? Can I just tell you, when you go above and beyond to make room for God, he will go above and beyond to figure out what the miracle is that you need and make sure he does it for you. I'm just telling you, church, I don't know why you're not excited right now. The fact is that if you will go above and beyond to make room for God's presence, he will go above and beyond to dig up what is it that you need for him to do for you. What is your deepest desire? What's that thing that you're not admitting that you need help with? What's that thing that you just set to the side and you thought it was dead and you thought it could never happen? He's going to dig it up. Up when he's got his presence there because you've made room for it and look she says she replies this nothing I'm secure and satisfied in my family I want you to know I've learned this sometimes where when the presence of God when I've made room for the presence of God in my life sometimes I forget about all my burdens <laughs> Sometimes the thing that was so overwhelming just dissolves away. Sometimes I forget I even wanted that. Sometimes I forget I even had that problem. Sometimes I forget I was even going through that simply because the presence of God brings so much peace, so much comfort, so much satisfaction that I start to turn my eyes off of everything natural going on around me and go, God, if I just stay here, I'll be good. This, your presence is enough. But... That's not where God leaves it. He wants to give his power too. And so here it goes. She says nothing. And Elisha conferred with Gehazi. There's got to be something we can do for her. But what? I'm just telling you, God will not stop. 
He is going to sift out your heart and my heart and this church's heart when we just make room for his presence and that's all we really want. He's gonna make sure he's digging up those places and meeting those needs. And so it goes on and he says to, well, she has no son and her husband is an old man. Call her in, said Elisha. And he called her in and she stood at the open door and Elisha said to her, this time next year, you are going to be nursing an infant son. Oh, master. Oh, holy man. She said, don't play games with me, teasing me with such fantasies. She's like, man, I've, I've kind of like got okay with this. I've been okay with where I am and I'm so enjoying your presence. I'm good. He goes, no, I'm going to do that for you. And it goes on. It says the woman conceived a year later, just as Elisha had said, she had a son. Why? Because she made room. She made a room. And she wanted God's presence to stay there. And she invited God's presence. She made room for it. She had to reorganize the house. She had to reorganize her schedule. She had to take some things out of the house that were cluttering it and get them out. She had to move some things into the house that weren't there that needed to be there. She needed a chair. She needed a desk. She needed a lamp. I'm just saying, how do we make room for God's presence? You're going to have to do some reorganizing. We're going to have to reorganize our schedules a little bit. We're going to have to add some things that aren't there and remove some things that are. And when we do, God's presence is going to fall on us and he's going to dig out some of these places that he wants to meet some needs for us in. You see where his presence is, we will get his power too. He wants to do both for us, but we've got to make room for his presence. I wrote this down. Most people go to God when they're in trouble but they rarely trouble themselves for God to come to them. Just rest a minute. Yeah, you can clap for God, not me, for God. But it's true. I've done it. When I'm in trouble, oh, God, I need you. God, where are you? What's going on? Come on, I need you to move, God. And that's okay. That's some of where we start. But be careful what you settle for. There's more. He's not just offering the miracle. He's offering you and I a personal visit. We just have to make room for it. And we're not going to settle for a miracle when God will give us a personal visit. Here's the second lesson I want us to learn today. Don't settle for a personal visit when we could have a community revival. Let me show you. Exodus chapter 33. It's a story of Moses and it's interesting because in Exodus 33, what is happening is Moses is leading the Israelites through the wilderness. And, and God says to Moses in Exodus 33, get going, get the Israelites and get going, go to the promised land. And God says to Moses, I'm sending you to the promised land. It's a land full of milk and honey, just like I told you. And just like I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, I've promised you this miracle and I am going to give it to you. And then he says, in fact, I will send an angel in front of you. And the angel's going to take care of all those armies you'd have to battle to get to the promised land. The Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hezites, all the ites. I'm going to take care of all the ites. I've sent an angel. It's going to be miraculous. It's going to be supernatural. But one thing, Moses, get going. I'm giving you your miracle, but I'm not going with you. Moses goes, uh, no deal. No deal. Why? Be careful what you settle for. 
Some of us would settle. Maybe at one time I would have. Like, sweet, God wanted me to have this all. I've been waiting for that promised land. I've been waiting for that thing. I've been waiting to get that. Finally, it's coming. And Moses knows better. Moses says to him, "Uh uh-uh, if your presence isn't going, I'm not going. Look at what happens, Exodus chapter 33, verse 7 through 11. He doesn't settle for the miracle. Instead, he's getting these personal visits from God. He's getting them. Moses is, and I want you to see it. It was Moses' practice to take the tent of meeting and set it up some distance from the camp. Let me pause there because I think this is crucial to what God's trying to teach us today. Just like the Shunammite woman had to pause some things, reorganize some things, spend some money to get some things she needed, move some things out, and, and submit to being able to make room for the presence of God, then Moses is doing the same thing. It says he takes it, he goes outside the camp, outside the ordinary schedule, outside the ordinary distractions, outside, that's what I did for those three days. I knew God was saying, I need you to get away from where you've been, set some time, and make room for my presence, and I'm going to tell you something. And here's Moses. He knows he set this tent up outside of the normal camp. And everyone who wanted to make a request to the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in the entrances of their own tents. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. And as he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at its interest while the Lord spoke with Moses. Here's that presence. He's getting these personal visits. Moses is meeting with the Lord. In fact, it says, when the people saw the cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, they would bow down in front of their own tents. And inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Why? Because Moses made room for it. He made room for God's presence, and he could have had the miracle, but he said, no, I'm not going to settle for that. I I need your presence. And now he's having these, he's meeting face to face with God. And he says to God, because God has said, I'm not going with you to the promised land. You're going to have to go on your own. And Moses goes, no deal. We need your presence. We want your presence. You got to come with us. And so look how God answers them, because Moses is saying, listen, you got to come with us. If you're not going, we're not going. What's the point? Look how God answers them. Exodus chapter 33, verses 14 through 16. The Lord replied, I will personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Raise your hand like me if you're like, that sounds like a good deal. I'm in on that. I'm in on that. You're going to come with me. Everything's good. You're going to take care of me. I'm going to have rest. I'm going to have favor. It's going to be all good. I think that must be what God has for me. Be careful what you settle for. Don't settle for just a personal visit when God wants to give a community revival. At some point, the next level for us, church, is when it's not good enough that I've got God's presence. It's not good enough that I met with the Lord. It's not good enough that God spoke to me. It's not good enough that God's in my marriage. It's not good enough that God's blessing my kids. It's not good enough that I get to experience God's presence. No, 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 no. That's not good enough. That's not where we settle. At some point, the maturity of a Christian that is following Jesus and has the heart of the Father from the example of Moses is going to be 
No deal, God. Be careful what we settle for, church. Look at what Moses says. If you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. How will anyone know, God, that you look favorably on me, on me and your people, if you don't go with us? For your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all the people on the earth. It's not good enough that I can experience the presence of God. Because if you don't have it too, what's the point? If your family doesn't have it, if those coworkers don't, if the people out there don't, what are we doing, church? Having our own little party? God wants to give us the miracle. And he wants to give us his personal presence. And I'll tell you, I'll keep making room for it. I, I, I can't make anybody else want it. But I can ask God for it. I can say to the Lord, God, send revival. God, send, send it here. Do it for us, God. I think it's a moment in time that we have to realize we've been pretty self-consumed. I'm repenting too. And if it's good with me and my house, then it's good. But let's be careful what we settle for. He's ready to say yes. He's ready to move. I wrote this down. I wish I could tell you where I got it. So since I can, I guess you can pretend like I made it up. I wrote this down. You know, renewal is when God touches the heart of a single believer. Revival is when God touches an entire community of believers. That's what revival is. And awakening is when the society around us is impacted by it. Can we be careful what we settle for? One more quote. J.I. Packer says this, revival is the visitation of God which brings to life Christians who've been sleeping and restores a deep sense of God's near presence and holiness. Then springs a vivid sense of sin and a profound exercise of a heart of repentance, praise and love with an evangelistic outflow. You see, revival is the moment where God is ready to demonstrate his power amongst a community of believers so that the society around them can be impacted by them. It's what happened in the book of Acts. It's what happened with the apostles and the disciples. We're not going to settle for a miracle when God's offering us a personal visit and he will do it. We're going to make room for his presence. But we're also not gonna settle that, church. We're not gonna settle for just a personal visit if God is willing to do a community revival among us and he's willing to do an awakening in our city. I believe we're on the edge of what is only can be described as a demonstration of God's presence, power, and spirit. 
I believe it with all of my heart. I know it to be true. Will you and will I make room for it? Or will we settle? The choice is ours. So right now, I just wanna, we're gonna prepare to pray and then we're gonna sing. We're gonna sing the song, Make Room. I'm gonna let God do in your hearts what he's already doing in mine and I want him to complete whatever he's doing in mine. I was thinking about Paul, like I didn't have an impressive message today, but I hope it's a demonstration of God's power and spirit because he's stirring us and uniting us to something that he wants to do in our community. And if we'll make room for it, he will get glory and Jesus will be made famous and you'll get your miracle and you'll get your personal visit and all of your kids and your spouse and your coworkers and the students around you at school. Everybody will be impacted by it simply because we made room for God's presence to dwell among us. And so close your eyes for just a minute and I'm gonna stand to you. I wanna speak to some of you in the room that you've never given your heart to Jesus. Listen, this is your moment. Jesus is returning soon. I have no other way to say it. The signs are there. I don't know how much time we have to tell the people we love that Jesus is coming. And I don't, I don't want you to miss this moment that God's already knocking on your heart for. And so if you've never given your life to Jesus and you're ready to surrender to him, if your way you realize is not working and I promise it's not, and you're ready to surrender to Jesus, maybe you're on the other side of that screen. I want you to just lift your hand towards heaven. I'm gonna pray a prayer over you. That God has a plan for your life. You've not gone too far. And so right where you are, would you just pray this right now with me? Today, Jesus, I choose you. I give you my life. I repent of my sin. I surrender to you now. Fill me with your spirit. I make room for your presence in my life, Jesus. Cleanse me of all my sin. And would you teach me how to live? My life is
Thanks for joining us. We here at Experience Church love you and are praying for you. Until next time, remember that Jesus is our hope.